0: If you'll take your Bibles and turn with us to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 4, a very familiar passage of Scripture. 2 Timothy, chapter number 4. I want to begin reading in verse number 9 and read through the remainder of the chapter and then bring the message. It's good to see this Monday night crowd, and uh, some of you must be gluttoning for punishment. <laughs> Brother Ed Blue was preaching tonight, he'd say, New hide. New highs has come to visit us tonight. But we're glad that you're here and glad to have all the visitors with us tonight. I've enjoyed the special singing. Appreciate all the preachers coming tonight. Trust that you had a good day yesterday. And uh, trust that you'll pray for us tonight as we seek to preach the word of God. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. Would you stand tonight as we read? Of course, most of you are familiar with this. Paul is writing his last epistle writing this epistle to a young preacher boy by the name of Timothy from what we can study from the historians it's about 4 to 6 weeks prior to Paul's death we understand how he died on Nero's chopping block as they severed his head from his body now i want to preach tonight on last reflections of a dying preacher last reflections of a dying preacher Paul said in verse number 9, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus and Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Antichius have I sent to Ephesus, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer, no man stood with me. All men forsook me, and I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me, and strengthen me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Salute Pris- Priscilla and Aquila the household of Anisaporus. He raised us, he bowed at Carith, but Trophimus have I left sick at Miletum. He said, do thy diligence to come before winter. The eubulus greeteth thee in Prudence, and Linnaeus, and Claudia, and all the brethren. And the Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. Our Father, tonight, as we bow before you, we want to thank you again for the privilege, Lord, to be in the house of God. I just don't want to take that lightly, Lord. I thank you for watching over us. and giving us traveling mercy on the highway, and bringing us all safe tonight to the house of God. Now, Lord, we thank you for what you've done already in these days. But, Lord, that's all history now, and we need a fresh touch of God upon us tonight. I thank you for these people that have come out this way. And, Lord, laid aside other things that they could be doing to come to worship tonight and to come to hear from heaven. And, Father, I pray tonight that you touch us and help us and and give us something to say that might be a blessing and a source of encouragement to thy people. I pray for those tonight, Lord, that are away from you, some that are in trouble, some, Lord, that need to be saved tonight, no doubt, in this service. I pray that you'd awaken the sinner to their need of Christ and, and draw, Lord, as only you can. Now, Father, we want to give you all the glory and the honor for what you're going to do. Even in advance tonight, Father, we want to thank you now for loving us and saving us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. I said earlier, I want to preach tonight on the last reflections of a dying preacher. Now, as we think about the life of the Apostle Paul, you remember very vividly how that he was saved in the book of Acts chapter number 9. I personally believe that Paul got under conviction at the stoning of Stephen. You remember the Bible said they laid their coats at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. I believe that Saul consented to the death of Stephen and watched him die and heard Stephen as he said, Father, lay this sin not to their charge. And then Stephen, looking up steadfastly into heaven, said, I see Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. I believe Saul of Tarsus got under conviction right there, and he never, never did get away from it how would you like to cash in some dividends uh, on a Saul of Tarsus? Uh, How would you like for God to use you, uh, maybe to bring conviction in somebody's life like Saul uh, who later became uh, Paul the Apostle? Well, after that it wasn't long till Paul got saved uh, and got born again. And straightway uh, he began to preach Christ in the synagogue uh, that he was the Lord. Uh, And then we know about Paul's Life how that more than twenty-five years that uh, he crisscrossed all around Europe uh, and Asia. He went where no man had ever named the gospel of Christ. That uh, and he went and established churches, uh, missionary endeavors. Uh, and uh, Paul tells us how that he many times he was a night and a day in the deep, uh, thrice beaten of rods, uh, shipwreck, uh, and perils of the sea and perils that. Uh, his own countrymen, uh, and a lot of things that Paul uh, encountered for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, But now Paul's in prison, uh, and he's soon to face death. Uh, I believe Paul knows now. I believe he can sense it, uh, and he sees that he's soon uh, going to be martyred for the cause of Christ. so he pens these last two letters, first uh, and second Timothy, uh, under the young preacher boy by the name of Timotheus, uh, uh, the man by the name of Timothy, uh, and he's writing under him. Uh, I was reading the other day, and there was one author that had this to say, uh, he said a man's last words are significant to say the least. I mean, friend, when a man gives out his last words, he's just not playing around. He's going to give you something from his heart. And another writer said that a man's last words are a window that lets us look into his heart and to find out what he's really thinking about as he makes the crossing. I was reading one day, and they give the Last words of Catherine Booth. She was the wife of General Booth that founded the Salvation Army. As Catherine Booth lay on her deathbed, she said, Children, the waters are rising, but I'm rising too. I'm not going under, she said, but I'm going over. You see, her last words told where mine was and where heart was. And she is soon to make the crossing. When Dr. John R. Rice's mother died, she died at a very young age. She already had several children then. And they called the family in. Sister Rice laid there dying. And they said, Miss Rice, what would you like for us to sing? Would you like for us to sing you a song? And she said, yes. They said, what would you like to hear? And she said, how about a little bit of that? How firm a foundation, that uh, is, saints of the Lord, uh, is laid for you in his excellent word. Uh, you see, her mind was on the word of God. Uh, and her mind uh, was on making the crossing uh, and going to be with the Savior. Uh, a person's last words are a window uh, that lets us look into their heart. Uh, but not only that, another writer said that uh, they're a measure whereby we might evaluate one's entire life." They're a measure uh, whereby we can evaluate uh, one's entire life. Uh, And Paul is talking uh, about the ministry. Uh, He's talking about the Word of God. Uh, And, friend, we can see here uh, the last reflections uh, of a dying preacher. Uh, Now, I want you to notice with me in verse number 10, uh, and we begin to see here that Paul uh, reminisces uh, uh, About the heartbreaks of life's disappointments. The heartbreaks of life's disappointments. Now don't look amazed at me. Paul had some disappointing times. And listen, he had his ups and he had his downs. He said, I know how to abound and I know how to be abased. Paul had some disappointments and some heartbreaks during life. And you will too. Uh, you say, Preacher, I've already come through some disappointments. Uh, and I've already had some severe uh, heartaches. Neighbor, there's going to be more uh, on down the road. Uh, notice in verse number 10, uh, he said, There, Demas hath forsaken me, Timothy, uh, having loved this present world. Uh, here's one of the heartbreaks. Uh, of the Apostle Paul. Now remember. He's down to the last few weeks. He's writing about what's on his heart. And he's thinking about the disappointment. Of a young preacher boy. By the name of Demas. Demas was a deserter. Demas was one. That let Paul down. Now you find Demas' name. Mentioned three times. In the word of God. In the book of Colossians chapter 4 you'll find these words. Uh, Paul writing again, Luke, the beloved physician, uh, and Demas greet you. Uh, you see, he said that he was there uh, with Dr. Luke, uh, and he said they greet you. Uh, then that little letter to Philemon, uh, only one chapter, verse 24, uh, Paul said, Marcus, uh, Aristarchus, uh, and Demas, uh, my fellow laborers. Uh, you see, at one time, Demas, was a soldier of the gospel who labored beside the Apostle Paul. No doubt they went on evangelistic crusades. They started churches. They preached together. But now Demas has forsaken the Apostle Paul. Oh, no doubt I can almost imagine that one day Demas came down the road, heard Paul preach, made a profession of faith. And that's what I said it was too a profession of faith you say preacher was Demas really saved I don't know the Bible said love not the world if any man love the world the love of the Father is not in him and my Bible said that Demas loved this present world and John the beloved in 1 John chapter number 2 said they went out from us and it's evident they were not of us Earl went on with us. Uh, hey, friend, if you turn back to the world uh, and you can go back there and stay there uh, and be happy there, uh, you might get down. You've never been saved. And oh, listen, I see Paul uh, as he's writing to Timothy. I, I see tears coursing down Paul's cheek uh, and his heart is broken. Uh, he said, Come on, uh, A hath forsaken me having loved this present world. Some of you preachers know what it is to have a demons to forsake you. He's the deserter. Oh, they come in and you'll say, my, my, I tell you, there's going to be a real good family. Oh, there's one that'll help us. And that young man has much potential and he'll go far for God. And just a little while later, they desert, they abandon, they kick out of the traces. You see, this was a disappointment to Paul. And I'm going to tell you something, a real true shepherd now. I mean, sometimes we'll make statements like I said earlier last week. They look as good going as they do coming. That's not so, folks. I mean, they may be a thorn in your side and may decide to leave the church. But all the time a real shepherd is saying, oh, God, I wish I could have helped them. Oh, God, I wish I could have done something to help them in their life. Paul wasn't happy about this. Paul's heart was broken. I wonder what it was that got deepest. You reckon it could have been worldly pleasures? You reckon it could have been worldly treasures? You reckon it could have been worldly pressure that was put upon him? I mean, I thought about it one day. What made him leave the apostle Paul? What made him forsake the man of God and the message of God and the ministry of God? What was it that caused him to go down to Thessalonica? And you never read of Demas again in the word of God. Here's one of Paul's heartbreaks. I guarantee you if we could have all the Demases that have come in and left this church, we'd all have to stand outside tonight. The same as some of your churches, you, the other preachers that are here tonight. There's a lot of Demases in this hour. You know what the word Demas means? It means popular. Look it up. It means popular. Demas sought to be popular. I want to tell you something, friend. The ministry is no place to seek to be popular. Because if you preach the truth and you lay it down gun barrel straight, you're not going to be popular with the world. You're not even going to be popular with so many quote unquote Christians if you tell it like it is. Here's one of the heartbreaks that Demas had deserted Paul. But notice in verse number 14, here's another disappointment in Paul's ministry. And he's reflecting on this as he knows he's soon to die. He said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil, Timothy. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be thou ware also. For he hath greatly withstood our words. You see, Alexander was the destroyer. Now, Demas is the deserter, but Alexander was the destroyer. I mean, this man sought to destroy the Apostle Paul's ministry. I mean, he greatly withstood his words, and he done Paul much evil. He meant to tear down the ministry of the Apostle Paul. You don't think this wasn't a heartbreak to Paul? You find this man, Alexander, mentioned also in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 20. You find his name mentioned there. you know there are some people in the church that are seeking nothing more than to tear down the ministry of the man of God. I've met them, friends. I've met them, and buddy, they'll try to buy their way in. They'll try to high-pressure their way in. And they're after nothing, nothing but to discredit and destroy the man of God's ministry. Isn't that hard think about, think about that? He said he's tried to destroy me, Timothy. Maybe at one time they'd been good friends, and there's a great possibility of this. But now Alexander has sought to destroy Paul. And you know what? Listen. You say you ought not call names preacher. Paul did. Yeah. <laughs> Paul did. You say I don't think you ought to name Jimmy Swagger I don't think you ought to name Jim Baker. I, I don't think you ought to name these hirelings and, and, and false prophets like all Roberts and all. This other crowd. I'll I tell you Paul wasn't afraid to name names. He not only named his name, but he named his profession. He said he's a the coppersmith. They might have been more than one Alexander in town. And he wanted Timotheus to know who he was. Yeah. You see, in this day, if one Alexander leaves your church and joins down at another church, they'll welcome him right in. Did you know we were just dying to get new members? Why, well, why just dying to get anybody to put another number on the road, another dollar in the bank. We'd take the devil if he walked in in a three-piece suit and carried a King James Bible. And some men have taken in the devil when they find out who they really are. Same man right there. Paul wanted to Timothy, uh, to know this man was trouble, uh, trouble, trouble. And while we're here and your feathers are ruffled, somebody said, I'll tell you, you rubbed the fur the wrong way. Uh, well, I'll tell you what to do, turn the cat around and run her back through, uh, and the same preaching that rubs you the wrong way, I'll lay her back down the next time around. Amen. Some folk think they can jump off up here, jump off wrong, and land down here right. I'm going to tell you something. You don't leave one church wrong and get back on in another right. You're going to have to leave right to get on right. Amen to God, friend. And that's just the way it is he leave, I mean, with envy and malice and strife. And you're not right with the preacher up the road. Don't think you can get on down here or anywhere else and be right with God. That's right. I See, we have a little country church up there where I'm from. The pastor's been there. You know, we, we don't have many, you know. We're just country folk. I remember several years ago, you know, we had some families of Houston, a couple of them. Boy, they really looked impressive. And uh, Brother Hubert, he's so hungry to get somebody else new in. And man, he's just just glad to get them in. But oh, my, 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 after they had been there a little while and found out what they're really up to didn't find out through the grapevine how they were. Uh, you know, hell raised up this other church. Uh, and how, uh, pardon the expression, I'm just playing sometimes. Uh, I mean, they raised hell up there and they raised hell down here. Uh, hey, friend, uh, I mean, listen, I said the other night, and I don't know if you all were here or not, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, I'd rather have a whore hopper uh, than a church hopper. Uh, there's a good chance you might get a whore hopper converted, uh, but a church hopper is like an egg second. Dog. You might as well go ahead and blow the brains out of an egg-sucking dog. If he sucks eggs at your house, he'll suck eggs down the road somewhere. Here a hop, there a hop, here a hop, a hop, hop. In every church in the county, every church in the city. I mean, can't find a preacher good enough. Why don't you just get right with God and go back to where you started? Amen. Amen. Alexander sought to destroy Paul's ministry. Heartbreaks. Heartbreaks. I could leave Paul for a minute, pick up on John. John the Beloved in 3rd John had him one of these characters named Diotrephes. Demas was the deserter, and Alexander was the destroyer, but Diotrephes was the dictator. Diotrephes, he wanted everything to go his way. John said, I'll remember him. He pratted against us with malicious words, and he would not even receive the brethren. And he cast a film out that would. I mean, this guy, Diotrephes, wants all the preeminence. Amen. He wants to be seen and heard and recognized. I've met Mister Diotrephes. I've met Mrs. Diotrephes. I've met Little Diotrephes. Then Amen. Amen. Well, I tell you what, preacher, I've been a chartered member down here. I was here when you got here, and I'll be here when you're gone. Yeah, them old Diotrephes want to run it their way. Hey, friend, just hey, I've seen them come in. I was in a church here a while back in another state, the state of Virginia. This church was in a million-dollar building program, brother. They built a million, I mean, a colossal building there. And I was up there preaching, and they got a man that taught Sunday school. And uh, you see, he was a, he's a very educated man. He's got the Bible on computer and all this stuff. And he's the vice president of a certain big corporation up there. He makes two hundred and twenty-five grand a year. That don't take me long to figure up. that's twenty-five. Thousand dollars in tithes plus some love offerings. That's a pretty good chunk from one man. So he was up there in a the leadership role and he came four nights to the revival. They said it was a miracle that he didn't usually come to revivals, but he would fly in every night, fly in every night and come to the meeting. But guess what happened on Thursday night? He got more than he bargained for. And the power of God fell in that church. And Brother Lance was with me, and there's a singing about the blood. And, buddy, there's a there's a visiting church there. And this man jumped up and said, Great God Almighty, preacher, you're a blessing my soul. Hey, that's like pouring gas on a fire, buddy. You holler at me like that, and I'm going to kick it in overdrive. And that man looked like he'd seen a ghost. He pinned him down some scriptures and sent them to the pastor the next day and said, I'll not be back. I'm withdrawing my ties. Hey, you know what? You know what kind of verses he used? God is in his old holy temple. Let all the earth be silent. And he said, let everything be done decent and in order. If you really like it in order, why don't you get out there in the graveyard, buddy? All them tombstones are lined up and it's twice dead. Why don't you get out there somewhere? Hey friend, that man was a diatrophies. He wanted to run that preacher. He had the audacity to call my motel room. And they sent word and said, I want you to call. Tell them people not to come back up here. The pastor had already invited him to come back. I said, "You tell him that it'll be a cold day where the devil's going to spend eternity. For I call anybody and tell them they can't come and worship God." I said, "Tell him get me my severance pay and send me on my way." Diatribes. Oh, you'll find them. You let me be in the church two weeks, not and use to point them out. Yeah, you can't even buy a different colored toilet paper unless they sanction it. They don't want you to move the piano unless they sanction it. They don't want nothing done unless they sanction it, you know. The heartbreaks of life's disappointments. Paul was reminiscing about it. Demas and Alexander. Sought to destroy, him, left him alone, abandoned him. That's disappointing some of you preachers have seen them walk out the doors, and you had great hopes, great aspiration for their lives, only to have your heart broken. See, I remember my dad coming home from church and weeping and crying at the dinner table. I saw my dad have a nervous breakdown trying to pastor Baptist. Trying to pastor Baptist, I saw him have a complete nervous <laughs> breakdown. It's disappointing. Heartbreaks. But now watch this. I want you to notice in verse 19, down through verse number 22, these verses. And not only, well, notice. us go back up to verse 10 first. Look over that at verse 10, the last part of it. He said, uh, uh, He said, Christians is gone to Galatian, Titus, and to Dalmatia. Then he goes on and said, Only Luke is with me, and take Mark and bring him. And Picius have sent to Ephesus. And He begins to name some here now. Not only is there the heartbreak of life's disappointments that Paul is reminiscing about, but there's the helpfulness of life's delights. There's some things that are helpful and delightful as you come down to the end of the road. Now, he'd been disappointed, yes, but there was some some help he'd had. And there was some real delights that he'd had. It was some handfuls on purpose that Paul had received. Now notice what he begins to say. He delights here, as he's writing Timothy, he delights in fellow soldiers. He begins to tell him in verse 10 and 11, he said, hey, Timothy, I ain't this I Don't take it wrong. I know Demas has forsaken me and Alexander's trying to destroy me. But he said, thank God for old Creasons and Titus and Luke and Mark and Antichus. He said, hallelujah for some fellow soldiers that are still fighting and waving the blood-stained banner. Hey, they've not on with Thessalonica. They've gone all." jump ship there are some that are still standing in the gap making up the head sometimes i know we all get like this us preachers are prone to get like this we get like elijah we get under the juniper tree and say god i god only am alive i'm the only one preaching anything god i'm the only one standing and sometimes the holy ghost has to whisper and say now listen 1990, Elijah, I've got 6,999 that ain't never bowed the knee to Bell yet. I'm glad God's always got somebody There's yeah. fellow soldiers. I come down the road this afternoon I started naming them off me and I know that I'd you be preaching tonight I mean there's those in the jail ministries tonight uh, uh, there's those on the mission field tonight uh, I not all qui no friend uh, there's some still fighting the good fight of faith. Yeah, yeah, I can see a smile come across old Paul's lips right here. I see his eyes begin to sparkle. He wipes the tears away. And he just probably sighs a little hallelujah. And a little glory underneath his breath as he's arriving here. And you know, these men were not in competition. Hey, these men was not trying to cut each other's throats to get a better flock. They weren't a bunch of sheep rustlers oh, not a bunch of honeymooners. I know some preachers that honeymoon other people's members. Hey, my dad's philosophy was this. They said, hey, Big Jim, how you keep them over there? He said, I'll put the corn in the trough and holler, suey, suey. And if they want to eat, they'll be there. And if somebody else can feed them, any be better not that, let them go all over there and get some better yeah, ma'am. Yeah, ma'am. Hey, friend folk honeymoon other people's members trying to get ahead. You may give them wish you had not got them once you get them. And I'll say again, it's hard to pastor somebody else's flock. It's hard to pastor somebody else's sheep. Amen. And these men had the same vision, the same burden, the same goal. Brother, to exalt Christ and win the loss. Reckon this Baptist? They surely was not independent Baptist. Because independent Baptists are about the only men I know that shoot their own wounded. That's right. You've heard that said before. That's a miracle. I can't believe we've got this many preachers here tonight. I mean, it's a miracle that this many men of God will come together today in a revival meeting. he delights in fellow soldiers. But not only that, in verse 19 through verse 22, he delights in faithful saints. And really, these are named saints, but really they're unknown saints. Now, you know something about Priscilla and Aquila if you've read your Bible. You remember how they labored with Paul and the starting of Ephesus over there in the book of Acts. They were tent makers. And they were of like occupation as Paul, and they made some tents together, and and then they began to work together in the work of the Lord. He names Priscilla, and Aquila, and then there's the household of uh Anisipurus. Who is this guy, Ananias Or who is this man? Well, look back in First Second Timothy chapter one verse sixteen. The Bible said, The Lord give mercy unto the house of Anisaporus, for he offered refreshed to me, he was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. Hey, said the Lord, grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in the day, and in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus. Thou knowest very well that. You know what that word there says in verse number 16? For he ought to refresh me, Paul said. That, that word means to cool again, or like a breath of fresh air. Don't you like to get around those saints of God that, that are like a breath of fresh air? I mean, they're just a reviving to be around three of Of in the faithful saints that were still doing the work of God. What I like about this, Priscilla and is helping Timothy now. They don't care who their pastor is. They're just going to go ahead and do the work of God. Paul's in jail. And Timotheus is over there preaching. And Timotheus is a young man, but they stand right with Timotheus. They just help old Timothy out. You know, some folk, they leave when their preacher leaves. Say, man, we got some preacher followers in this hour. <laughs> That's right. Hey, some of you won't be in church if your preacher's not at church. You got preacher religion. Why? Why'd you get quiet? Then he talks about these. There's old Erastus and Trophimus and Eubulus and Prudence and Linus and Claudia. who are these people? They're just some faithful saints. And Paul's delighting you. You see, these people that helped Paul, they were sympathetic, sincere, faithful saints. Now, I praise God for those in churches that are really just unknown Christians. I like that man that wrote that book. They were, there was a man named The Unknown Christian who wrote two or three books. I like him. He wouldn't even tell his name. He didn't want Dr. Bottle stopper right at the bottom of his book and get all the glory. I, I saw I hope y'all ain't never done this, but I saw a New Testament the other day, and it had on the back of it a preacher's mug, right on the back of the Word of God. He is just a grinning. <laughs> hey, I don't want my picture on no back of no Bible. If we'd really be what we ought to be, we'd probably be like the unknown Christian. Just want God to get to know him. See, Paul's delighted in these people. I remember those in Dad's ministry, some of them, nobody never knew them. They'd just come in, some older folk, some poor folk. they just sit back there. But they were faithful. He'd look over the congregation. He'd know right where they'd be sitting. They'd nod their heads. Sometimes they'd come in slow. Sometimes they didn't move in fast like all the other people. They'd come in real slow. You ever heard Dr. Harold Clayton tell the story about the turtle and the hare? Huh? You ever heard the story about the tortoise and the hare? They got in the race one day. They got in the race They shot the gun. And here went that old rabbit. Psh, wham! But is gone. That old turtle just put his head forward, put one foot in front of the other, never got any slower. He never got any faster. He was just consistent. The old rabbit got so far, he said, I think I'll take me a nap. He laid down, he went to sleep, and he woke up, and there was that old turtle going out through that right at the finish line. That old rabbit jumped up again. Psh, but it was too late the old turtle just had his head forward never got any slower never got any faster just consistent and he crossed the finish line ahead of the rabbit we got a lot of rabbit christians but here they'll go Camp meeting camp meeting now singing 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 i'm not saying not singing wake up say morning uh, you know, I don't think I can get of God. I'm so tired. I'm so tired from that second last night. I, gl- I, I thank God for them old turtle Christians. Just stick their head out. Never get any faster. Never get any slower. But they'll just be right on in there. Right on in there. Right on in there. Good old faithful, faithful saints. <laughs> That's who Paul's delighting in. He, he talks about the heartbreaks of life's disappointments he talks about the helpfulness of life, delights. Hey, friend, it ain't always those that slips you that big money. It ain't always those that, you know, and I, one, I watch folk know, sometimes. We take up a special offering, you know. I remember years ago, we was taking up an offering to buy a bus. And uh, this one man was a millionaire. And uh, we need, I think, I don't know, three or $4,000 and some the old Social Security saint said, the Preacher, I'll pledge 50 I know, You know, no widow woman said, I'll give 100 And He waited right down to the end. And there's about five, $600 left. He said, I'll take it all from here. I'll pay for every bit of it from right here. And all the eyes went on him. And he strutted his stuff as he walked out the door. And everybody forgot but God about those little old widows those little old social security saints (laughs) hmm what do you delight in who do you delight in he said said, Timothy there's some help there's some delights I I looked up this word the other day and if I can find it here oh yeah oh uh, oh, Tickius Tickius Tychius, however you will say it. Uh, I read about him two or three times in the Word of God. Not much is said about him. You know who he was? what he was? He was a replacement. He was a replacement. He, he replaced Titus. You read Titus chapter number 3, verse 13. And, and he replaced Timothy. When Timothy left to come where Paul was. He was a relief pitcher. Now he wasn't a well-known pastor. He was just a good second man he was just a good pitch hitter. He was just a good relief pitcher. Now, listen, a relief pitcher don't get the glory for a ball game that's won. But there's been a lot of games won on relief pitchers. I don't even mind being a relief pitcher, friend. That's what God wants. God just wants me to be a good second man. That'll be all right for me. Hey, you've got to be out front. you got to be seen. Somebody got to brag on you all the time, recognize you so you'll do something for God? Do you wait till everybody's looking before you pick up a chewing gum rapper in the church? Do you wait till everybody's looking before you do anything for God? Or will you just do it when there ain't nobody around? I believe Tickius was just happy to be a relief pitcher. And he is a good. See, preacher, this ain't the usual revival message. Maybe you ain't the usual crowd. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this man, listen, Paul's dying now. Getting ready to die. He said, hey, Timothy, he said, there's going to be some heartbreaks, boy. Now, listen, preachers, if we think we've seen heartbreaks yet, we ain't seen nothing. What's going to come? You say, preacher, hallelujah, it's a glorious time down where I'm at. Just hang on. You better batten up the hatches and just hang on and ride her out while you can. Storm will be coming. Brother Wayne is a good friend of mine. I preached for him several times up in the mountains up there there in the country. How long have you been down there now, Brother Wayne? About six months. About time for the honeymoon to wear off. About six good months honeymoon soon be wearing off. Every minister has a honeymoon. But the honeymoon soon wears well off. Hey, when you get saved, it's a honeymoon. After a while, it's just going to be down to the nitty gritty, serving Jesus day by day. Amen. Doing it because your motive's right and your heart's right. I come to a close. He deals here with the heartbreaks of life's disappointments. He reflects back on the help he'd received from his fellow soldiers and fellow saints. But notice in verse number 13 and verse number 16 through 18, he talks about the happiness of life's dependability. Now he found out he couldn't depend on certain brethren. And he just found out there were some things that were disappointments that, that were undependable, I'm going to tell you something, friend. We're going to find out. You can't depend on everybody. I'm going to tell you something, really. You can't depend on me. Sometimes I'm as undependable I, I, I mean, as anybody else. Hey, I may promise you I'll be there. can't be there. I may have a flat tire. I may get sick. I may forget all about that arrangement. Paul found out there were some things that were undependable, but he also told Timothy, he said, hey, boy, I'm going to give you some last words of last words. I'm going to tell you what you can depend on. Notice what he said there in verse number 16. He said, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Now evidently, he's talking about when he stood before Nero, or excuse me, stood before uh, there and Pilate, and stood before those there and had to face them, and, and Agrippa and Felix, and he stood there, and he appealed to Caesar. Caesar's the name I'm looking for. Right? He's probably talking about right there, and he said, my first answer, no man stood with me. Hey, maybe because of distance and time, uh, uh, Timothy couldn't get there, uh, and nobody else could get there, uh, and there it was all alone. There's the Alexanders to accuse him. There's those that hated the Apostle Paul. He said, I'm having to stand all alone, Timothy. But notice in verse 17, he said, notwithstanding. That simply means don't you misinterpret what I'm saying, boy. He said, notwithstanding the Lord stood by me and strengthened me uh, that by me the preaching might be fully known uh, and that all the Gentiles might hear. Uh, I want you to see right here, Paul said, hey, Timotheus, uh, you can depend uh, on the unfailing presence uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, He said, the brethren may let you down. Uh, Some of your friends may forsake you. Uh, But the Lord will be right there all the time. I'm glad there's always the unfailing presence of the Lord Jesus. Man, he's thinking about that before Caesar all by himself. And he probably thought, hey, man, where's the brethren? I need some help. And the Holy Ghost, man, whispering, said, Paul, we're right here. We're right here, your counsel and your defense and your heavenly lawyers. Right here. Right here. The unfailing presence. He gets over there and thinks about Acts 27. Thinks about that great storm that he is in, that storm Yerocula. And he thinks about how they hadn't even seen the sun or the moon or the stars in 14 days. And he goes downstairs and after a long abstinence, he stands forth. And he said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me. He said, Hey boys, I told you so. He said, you should have hearkened to me and not have loosed from Crete." But he said, hey, boys, I've heard from God this night. I've heard from the angel of the Lord who's I helmet and whom I serve and be of good cheer. It's going to be all right. The unfailing presence of the Lord showed up in that storm and got Paul some divine direction, friend. Amen. Amen. You may think, I can't handle that situation. I can't go through that. I'm thinking about Kathleen, that old mountain lady back home. Her husband died. They lived in a little mountain cottage up there. and Her family said, Kathleen, we'll go home with you. We'll send some of the daughters and we'll send some of the family. She said, I don't want you to come. I'm going to face it by myself. And Kathleen got to that old mountain cottage and took that skeleton key. And she told that she got ready to stick it in the door and fear just overwhelmed her. She said, How am I gonna be able to make it? How am I gonna be able to handle it? I'll see his picture, I'll see his favorite chair, I'll have to eat breakfast and look where he said. That'll be his Bible, and there's his clothes. How am I gonna handle this? She said she mustered up some faith and turned that skeleton key. And when she opened the door, she said it was though there was a presence and a glow from another world. I'll say, Go ahead, Silas, I'll join you on the course. And he began to say, I don't know what he sung. He might have sung Amazing Grace. How sweet to say. I don't know what he sung. But did they begin to sing and praise the Lord. If that had been most of us, we'd have been ready to quit and throw in the towel. God have us a little pity party. God smatted us. But oh, he said we begin to sing and to pray. And I see God turn around and say hey angel, come over here and hang on to this thing. Take care of this right here. I got business to attend to. I just believe God took his foot. And he old planet earth and the jailhouse door swung open. Yeah. Uh, Elvis yeah. might have sung the jailhouse rock. Uh, I want you to know God loved the jailhouse. Amen. Yeah. Uh, that was the power of God that was right there friend and upholding hey, time. Amen. Paul said you can depend on that boy. said you can't depend on the brethren all the time. You can't depend on the sister all the time. you can't depend on a lot of things, but you can depend upon his power, yeah. and upon his presence. Yeah. Yeah, I want you to look back at verse number 13. Verse number 14, 15. 13. He said to Mothus, "He said, "The cloak that I left at Troas with carpus, Then thou comest bring with thee, and the books, boy, and the books." but especially the parchments. I said, son, I want you to get my cloak. I left it over at Troas, the Carpenter's house, when they apprehended me. And they come and got me, but they just took me on. He said, I left my cloak behind. He said, it's cold down here, Timothy. That old dungeon was damp and wet and dark down there. He said, bring my cloak with you. He said, son, not only the cloak, I want you to bring my books. He said, I don't believe in reading books. I wonder who paused me. The Bible said, and he said, in the books. I wonder who was reading that. But I said, I don't read no books. You never tell me that. I'd hear you preach to tell you. i tell you, ain't reading nothing. Ain't studying nothing. Lord, my God said, just get up and God will fill your mouth. Yeah, you'll fill it with a bucket of hot air. Yeah. Amen. Paul said, study, Timothy, to show thyself to prove. He said, you get my cloak, boy, and bring my, bring my books. And he said, now if you forget all that, if you forget my cloak, and if you don't have time to find my books, he said, boy, you get the parchments. You bring me the Word of God. (laughs) What he's saying here is you can depend upon the unveiling parchments. He said, get me the book. book. Bring me the book. You know what? A lot of times I, I look in the books and I can't find no answer. What I thought about the other day, He needed something to warm his body. He needed something to occupy his mind. Then he needed something to feed his soul. The Word of God. I'm going to tell you something. You can depend on the Word of God. Why is it when the old saints are dying, they say, bring the book. Read to me how the Bible. Read me from the Bible. Why was it when the martyrs were, many of them burned at the stake that asked to be able to hold their Bible? Let me keep my Bible with me. You can depend on it. I was going down the road the other day and this thing got to busting out on me and I like to wreck my car. I was trying to get to another preacher. I thought about the book. The book. The Bible. I said it's the amazing book. The assuring book. The anointed book. The accurate book. The authorized book. It's the Bible. It's the blessed book and the baffling book and a beneficial book. And it's the best book. It's a cleansing book and a comforting book and a complete book and a conforming book and a calming book for Bible. A divine book, a delightful book, a different book, a documented book for Bible. It's an eternal book, an effective book. It's an eloquent book. Why, it's a famous book, a fresh book, a forever book. It's a foremost book, the Father's book, a flawless book, and my favorite book, the Bible. Why, it's a glorious book. It's a good book. It's a game book. It's God's book for of truth. It's the gospel, the Bible. It's a hated book, a holy book, an honorable book. It's the highway to heaven book. It's the hymn book of all hymn books. It's the Bible. It's an indefinable book. It's an inerrant book, an inspired book, an infallible book. It's an inexhaustible book, an indestructible book. It's an immaculate book, The Bible. Oh, it's a just book, it's a judgment book, it's a joyous book, it's a justifying book for Bible. It's a keen book, it's the key book, it's a kept book for the Bible. It's a living book, it's a laity's book, it's a large book, it's a lasting book, it's a liberating book, it's a limitless book, it's a law book for Bible. Oh, it's a, it's a marvelous book, a miraculous book, a mock book. It's a mistakeless book. It's a majestic book. It's a mandatory book. It's a martyr's book The Bible. Yeah. It's a nurturing book. It's a navigating book. It's a neglected book The Bible. It's an opposed book. It's an offensive book. It's an orderly book. It's the only book The Bible. A powerful book and a precious book and a preserved book uh, and it's the patriarch's book and it's a preacher's book uh, It's a proven book the yeah. Bible yeah. yeah. It's a quickening book It's a quietening book It's a quenching book It's a quotable book the Bible It's a reliable book It's a reassuring book It's a realistic book It's a renowned book the Bible it's a soothing book, a saving book, a sanctifying book. It's a self-explanatory book. It's a supernatural book. It's a spiritually understood book. It's the saints' book the Bible. Amen. It's a treasure book, a timeless book, a transforming book the Bible. It's an unusual book. It's an unbeatable book. It's an unequal book. It's an unfailing book. It's the ultimate book. The Bible. It's a valid book. That word valid means having legal force. <laughs> Binding under law. Hallelujah. It's a valid book. It's the Bible. It's a wonderful book. It's a worshipful book. It's a warning book. It's a whosoever book. The Bible. It's an x raying book. The Bible. It's a yoking book. It's Yahweh's book. It can be your book the Bible. It's a zesting book. The word means it gives flavor. <laughs> Every day this precious old book gives flavor in my life. It's the zealous book. It's the zenith of all books. You can't go no further than this book. The Bible. Paul said, Timothy, it's cold here, boy. He said, son, I'm cold. He said, Boy, I want you know, I want my books to be able to read. But if you forget everything else, especially bring me the parchments. Bring me the Word of God. Now I'm not trying to make no racial slur, God forbid. But Brother Maze Jackson was preaching one day, and there was a, a black lady sitting out there, and she had her a Bible that was as big as a wash tub. And she was just turning the pages, just flipping through the pages. Brother May said, sister, said, are you enjoying what you're reading? She said, preacher, man, I never did learn to read. She said, I get a blessing out of just turning the pages. Amen, friend of mine. The old 1611 King James Bible. Paul said, bring me the parchments, boy. Bring me my Bible. Bring me my Bible. I've seen old Brother Earl Hughes. That old sawmill mountain preacher. I've seen old Brother Earl get through preaching. As he would get through preaching, he'd have people bow their heads. And I peeped. I looked. He'd get down. He'd kiss the Bible. What do you think about this book? There's going to be disappointments in life. There's going to be heartbreaks in life. There's some happiness in life. There's some things that are really dependable. Father, I'd ask Father, now that you just settle in on our hearts. Lord, I don't know all the needs of these people. Lord, if I knew the needs, I couldn't meet them myself. I don't have the power. Lord, I pray tonight that we would just glean from Paul's last reflections as he knew he was soon to die, Lord. He talked about the disappointments that he'd encountered. There may be people here tonight. There may be preachers here tonight. They're disappointed and discouraged. Certain families in their church that they had high hopes for, Lord, have abandoned them and just let them down. I pray, Father, there may be somebody facing an Alexander in their church. Somebody trying to destroy the ministry. I don't know, Lord. Then, Father, I pray that You'd help us to see those faithful saints. Oh, God, help us to see those that are still fighting the battle. Help us, Lord, not to get under that old juniper tree and think we're the only one. you still got those that are out there. Then, Lord, tonight, help us to depend upon Your unfailing presence. On oh, your upholding power and the unalterable parchments, the Word of God. Now, Lord, you speak tonight. You give an invitation in this service. Lord, I believe we've given enough invitations. I'd ask the Holy Ghost to give one tonight. I pray, Lord, you'd move. There may be somebody here that's away from God, somebody that's cold and indifferent and in trouble with you. I pray that you'd deal with them. There may be somebody here tonight that's just playing church. Somebody here tonight in trouble, broken hearted, I don't know the needs, Lord. I just ask you to give the invitation tonight in Jesus' name we pray. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I want to come tonight and play softly. I want you to get a verse of invitation ready. Tonight we'll sing, maybe just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Maybe tonight you put your... You put your trust in some individual and they've let you down. Because of that, bitterness may have welled up in your heart and choked the joy of the Lord from out of your soul. There may be somebody here tonight that you're going the route of demons, friend. You're out of church tonight. You've forsaken the message of God. You've forsaken the place of God, the church house. and You're in trouble with the Lord. Be a good night to get right with God in this service. If you're here tonight lost without the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to tell you tonight, sinner, Jesus loves you. Can I ask two questions tonight? We'll go home. I'd like to see the hands of those that can say, Preacher, thank God tonight. Thank God I know that I've been saved by the grace of God. I know that I've been born again, Preacher. I don't have to look at my neighbor and see if they raise their hand or not. I just know I've been saved. Would you hold your hand up high if you've been saved by the grace of God and you know it? If you know it, hold it up high. think you could take it down tonight. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Could there be somebody here that would say, preacher, please pray for me. I'm away from God tonight. Preacher, things are just not right in my heart spiritually. Please pray for me. Please pray for me. God's been dealing with me. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Someone else? Anyone else tonight in this service? Preacher, it's just not right in my heart tonight. Would you remember me in prayer? Anyone else? Could there be a sinner here tonight would say, Preacher, seat and have this church to pray for me and I'm not going to embarrass you. If you are that much concerned about where you're going to spend eternity that you just raise your hand and say, Preacher, pray for me. Anyone, anywhere. Would you stand, Father? Give us us what we need tonight. Deal with us, Lord. Sometimes we come expecting a certain dish. Lord, You give us what we have need of. I pray tonight for these that have raised their hand. I pray for that dear man that raised his hand. I pray for others that raised their hand tonight. Lord, I pray that folk might just obey the Spirit of God in this service. In Jesus' name. Amen. What do we sing about little Number 282, Just As I Am. While we sing, why don't you come if God's dealt with your heart tonight? Maybe you're here and you need to get things right with God. Why don't you just come on while we sing? Would you come? What about it, young people, mothers and dads? be here tonight and you're saying in your heart, I've been let down. I've been discouraged by some other person. I want you to think about it. The Lord's never let you down. And the Lord's never been the one to discourage you. Why don't you bring that discouragement and that bitterness to the Lord? Don't let that problem drive you away from God. Let it drive you to Him. We're singing one more verse. Would you come while we sing? won't you come tonight friend won't you come and do business with the Lord